0: You're listening to a podcast from 702.
1: 702
2: Masterclass. Okay, so this is part two of the masterclass on markets trading and investing. In part one, uh, that was last week, uh, Rela Bukile touched on a couple of things. So we know that economic activity can influence market trends, if you understand this kind of speak, right, for better or for worse. Now, government policy and geopolitical events are factors, yes, like the conference, might affect the markets. Uh, That can lead to either stability or instability in the markets. And we know that market participants' expectations and the natural balance of supply and demand are the other important factors as well, well today's masterclass we're looking at markets trading and some of the factors that influence the trends. Uh, and if you remember, the rand somewhat recovered after dropping significantly following the report by that independent panel on President Cyril Ramaphosa. And by late in the afternoon, the local currency had reached seventeen ninety one to the dollar, but has eased back to around seventeen sixty two. And we're chatting uh, to Wayne McCurry from the wealth and uh, from wealth and investments at First National Bank to help us understand more about the markets. Uh, Wayne, uh, a very Good afternoon, joining us uh, online. Uh, And thanks so much. And it it is Yuveka today, not really Bohile. And I'm not very sussed on these things. So it's basically going to be an idiot's guide too for you, okay?
3: (laughs) Sure. no, no, it's no problem at at all. Now, surprisingly enough, markets aren't that difficult to understand the Mm. fundamentals of markets. I think a lot of players like to complicate issues Mm. because I think it makes them look look more intelligent and clever mm-hmm. and it makes people feel you know, less empowered to take control of their own finances and just to apply their minds and spend a little bit of time maybe understanding markets and, and, and the mechanisms behind markets. It's, mm. it, it really isn't all that complex,
2: to be honest. Okay, so I just want to do a quick recap, uh, Wayne, of what you and Rela spoke about last oh. week. So from that, uh, from, from part one of this, you looked at the definition of markets, talked about markets and investments, what exactly we talk about when we talk about investing, the types of markets such as share markets. You also spoke around what is a, a share from a company's profit and dividends, everything you buy yes. in South Africa is taxed on international value, if you really didn't know that. Does the performance of the RAND affect us when we buy internationally? And then the three types of markets that you spoke about, Wayne, Uh, interest rate markets, what we pay in cars, bond and credit cards. We're all affected by these markets. Um, South Africa is the biggest importer. So what do we speak of when we talk about inflation and how does it affect the markets as well? And we had news about inflation uh, earlier earlier today, that there's a slight dip, a little bit of positivity that we see. Would something like that significantly affect the markets um, on a day like today?
3: Yes, it would. So just to take one step back, talking specifically about the share market now, the share market's driven by two things, and and only two things. Now, Mm. there's a lot underneath those two things that influence these two factors, but it's only driven by two things. One is anticipated profits going forward. Mm. So in other words, what does the market expect company profits to do over the next, let's say, probably maximum three years, four years, probably maximum, what profits are companies going to make over the next the next three to four years, and then what are interest rates? So mm-hmm. let's just deal very quickly with profits. Mm-hmm. Profits is simple to understand, and profits are affected by how the economy is doing, how how the commodity cycle is doing. What's consumer expenditure like? What are wages like? What's unemployment like? So there's a thousand items that influence profits. So that's that's a that's an easy concept to understand. But then the second one's not quite so easy to understand, and that's how interest rates affect the market in respect of those profits. So let's just think about that. If you have got ten thousand Rand to invest and you can put it In the bank and earn ten percent. So in other words, in a year's time you're going to have a thousand rand. Now, if you are you've got this money to invest, you can put it in the bank and earn a thousand rand, or you can buy shares. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: Now, will the profits of those companies be more or less equal to the thousand rand over the next three or four years? Then you'll say, Well, you know, it's it's more or less the same. Should I buy shares? Or should I put mm, my money mm. in the bank? Now, if the company's profits, if tomorrow interest rates go from ten percent to twenty percent, but the but the profits of the companies is still going to be one thousand rand and not two thousand rand, the price of the shares must fall. In other words, no one's going to buy the shares if you can earn two thousand rand in the bank but yeah. only one thousand rand profits. Yes. So that's how Rising interest rates makes the equity market fall because today's value of those profits in relation to interest rates go down if interest rates go up. So, in other words, this is this is maybe the most complex thing in the mm. market: is that if mm. interest rates go up, people would rather put the money in the bank. So, to attract that money, share prices must fall so that future profits are more or less equal to what you could earn in the bank, ignoring tax for the moment. Oh, so, so that's so, so those two influences, what what the market expects profits to be, and the second one is what's the interest rate? What's the what's the comp, the comparing value of those profits versus putting your money in the bank?
2: So then when what what are some of the other factors then that that drive the markets or affect them um, yeah. in some way or the other?
3: Sure. There's, there's politics, there's, there's a myriad, there's, there's, there's thousands of factors that affect the markets, but all of them channel into one of those two channels, either profits or interest rates. So now a very good example is what's happening right now. Yeah. Inflation has gone up quite dramatically, especially overseas. So what has happened this year to overseas share markets? They've fallen. Mm. Because now in comparison to putting your money, let's take the United States, for example, a year ago, if you invested in a fixed deposit, let's say a two year fixed deposit, you would get half a percent interest. But if you would have bought shares, you would have got two and a half percent profits, return on your profits. So what you're going to do, you're going to buy shares. Now the fixed deposit rate is Four percent. No one's going to buy shares if you're only going to get two and a half from the share market and four percent from the fixed deposit. Mm -hmm. So the share market must fall to make, let's call it a balance between those two items. So that's why higher inflation equals higher interest rates and higher interest rates equals the market goes down.
2: Mm, mm. Okay. So I mean and
3: exactly the opposite, yeah.
2: So my knowledge extends to watching The Wolf of Wall Street, right? So, <laughs> and there like yeah. all kinds of things happen. <laughs> all kinds of things. What's yeah. happening with your with the person in between, the middleman and all of that. So where do emotions and economic reality, what what part yes. do they play in this whole process?
3: Okay. Excellent question because economic reality is long term. Mm. So in other words, the economy, how it behaves, how it reacts actually plays out over very long time periods. Now the share market also over very long time periods actually tracks the economy extremely well because that's what it's supposed to do. It's supposed to uh, to track the economy, i.e. profits and interest rates, that's what it does. But it does that over very long time periods, let's say five to 10 years. So the share market's actually very accurate in tracking what is actually happening, economic reality, over long time periods, but emotions rule in short time periods. Mm-hmm. So, even six months, one year, maybe even two years, emotions rule. So, now that the, we've got two very good examples of this one is the COVID crisis, yeah. the share market collapsed mm-hmm. around your ears, and yet it's way past that now. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, the share market fell heavily and then it just shot straight back up again. That's emotion talking. Yeah. Now, the RAND and the Paula parlor story is a classic thing. As you said in the introduction, when the Paula parlor thing came out, the RAND went to almost 18. Mm.
1: You
3: know, now it's back to a level where it was before Paula parlor came out. So now we're just not worried about it anymore. It's, it's digested that information. So in the shorter term, emotions, politics, geopolitical, maybe even weather, maybe, you know, emotions, yeah. humans emotions rule in the shorter term, but over the longer term, economic reality rules. Mm. So that was the share market can go up and down, up and down, up and down. But over the longer term checks mm. the
2: economy so so when how much do you expect the upcoming ANC conference and the outcome of that uh to yes. to to aff- affect are we going to see a frenzy on the markets from day to day do, do i mean is it if if you're able I to say you know judging on the behavior of markets that the final outcome will be the only thing uh that will affect or are we expecting from friday or even from tomorrow uh you know that, that we are going to see little blips along the way uh because i mean it, it it depends who's going to lead the country eventually. It's going to be the ANC, and if they win the next election, that's going to be your next president. You know, whoever the person is up there, it, it, it's, it's quite a lot to think about there.
3: Yeah, look, this 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 conference isn't the best example because yeah, it's it's virtually guaranteed that the current that 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 uh, President Ramaphosa will will win the the, the head of the that this this conference. He'll still be the head of the ANC. There's no real credible alternative to him but the best one to look at was the last one where there was a real battle for the yes. leadership of the ANC and what happened is uh, President Ramaphosa won as we all know and the market shot up and the rand strengthened and it even got its own name called Ramaphoria
1: <laughs> Yeah,
3: you know so there, there the market was ruled by happiness by emotions and it went up but of course reality sat in you know One person can't fix all of South Africa's problems in a relatively short time of space. And some people will argue it's got worse. I don't think so. I think it's got better, but it it should have got better a lot quicker and to a greater extent. But let's put that aside for the moment. Mm. Reality eventually set in and the commodity cycle ruled. The global inflation ruled south african interest rates ruled and eventually the politics or the emotions actually that was a positive emotion but it, it, it eventually disappeared yeah. out of the system and now we've got reality and we got like even load shedding I mean, load shedding is uh-huh. economic yeah. reality yeah. Um, but yet even we affected by that you know when you go to stage six you know the you always wonder you know is it going to stay at stage six for the rest of our lives and then you start getting negative. It and then feels you might like want it, yes. <laughs> it does yeah. feel like we're at stage six.
2: All right, Wayne. So um, thanks so much for, for setting the scene there. And, uh, you know, we, we kind of get the idea. And, I'm and, and, um, you know, it, it, I, I like your confidence uh, of the outcome of this uh, upcoming conference. But anything is possible in politics. You just never know anything can happen mm-hmm. in a couple of minutes. But let's wait and see if your prediction uh, comes true. But um, if you want to join the conversation, if you have a question for Wayne on the markets, on investing if you, if you want clarity on anything, I don't think he can give you uh, any any uh, sort of um, backroom advice in terms of where you can invest right now. I don't know if when, if that's, I'm not sure what the rules and the legalities are. But if you have other questions about the markets, 11 883 Or you can WhatsApp us, 72 Or send us a voice note to that number if you aren't able to type anything at the moment. 702 Masterclass. And in our masterclass today, yes, we are talking about the markets and investing and trying to make sense of it all. And yes, anyone can invest if you just know exactly what you're doing and you know, you know, what the dangers are and what the red flags are. And joining us uh, to discuss this is Wayne McCurry. He's from Wealth and Investments at First National Bank. And Wayne, you know, from from what we've been saying, many people might feel that this is just, you know, it's guesswork and a lot of it is based on yes, predictions. Yes. Is is that more or less what it is? Yes.
3: Mm. Yes, that—that is exactly what it is. You're trying to guess the future. You're trying to guess future interest rates, future inflation, future economic growth, future profits. And mm. That is exactly the point. So, I mean, I often say this, and I think I said it last week as well. There's no such thing as an. In, there's no such thing as a, a guru in investments. There's mm. no professional. Uh-huh. There's no. There's no person who knows everything it is impossible you're trying to predict the future. Mm. And that's where I think a lot of people think, oh, this person's an expert, so therefore if I take their advice, I'm never going to lose money. Mm. I'll Mm. always do well because this person, it's not the case. It is, by and large, guesswork, quite quite frankly. Mm. You know, hopefully there's a bit of intuition and maybe, well, maybe not even intuition, maybe just experience can... Mm point out a few pitfalls, you know, it can maybe identify a few risky areas.
2: And behaviors. Yeah, someone who, someone who knows behaviors and trends of things, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah. Sort of like a, an, an expert in that in, in that field. So if I were to, yeah. if, I, if I wanted to buy shares in something, um, Wayne, very, yeah. very quickly for us as we head to headlines, what are, what are the things I need to look at if there was a checklist to see if this was a good thing for me?
3: Simply how long has the company been around? Has it gone through good times and bad times? Has it survived? You know, how expensive are the shares? And that's not whether they cost 10 rand or 1 rand. That's that's the how expensive they are relative to their current earnings. Mm-hmm. But the, maybe the best rule of thumb, which is honestly, the, it, it, it is one of the only true real rules in investments. And that is, I said it last week again, and I'll say it again because it's so important. Yeah. Don't ever put all your eggs in one basket yeah, because that can end in a catastrophe. It's wonderful if it works out for you. And that in itself is dangerous because when you get a few things right, it's like gambling. When you get a few things right, you think you're an expert and you're never going to get it wrong. And that is by far the biggest rule. And it is maybe the only true concrete rule mm. in investments. And that is you must just diversify You must own quite a few investments in your portfolio spread across many areas, many countries, many different Hmm. industries, etc.
2: Okay, and how would you know if an advisor, like you say, there is no one particular guru, but how do you know if that person is the right person to advise you?
3: Well, first of all, you must be involved in your investments. A lot of people abdicate, they just say, I don't know what's happening, it's too complicated, I'm a away. I'm just going to give it to this person and Mm. they just do it. Mm. That is completely the wrong attitude. You must get involved, you must know what's happening. You must apply common sense. You know, Ah. just to say, this looks fantastic, it went up 400% last year, I'm going to put all of my money into it. That's not the right thing to do like Bitcoin. Yes. You
2: know,
3: up until a year ago, it went from, Twenty thousand to sixty-five thousand, and oh that's fantastic! it's wonderful. Now it's gone from sixty-five thousand to seventeen thousand dollars. That's not so wonderful. So, in other words, if you had five percent of your money in in Bitcoin, then then you only shed a few tears when it falls because you <laughs> yeah. diversify; that doesn't kill yeah. you. But if you got all your money in Bitcoin, it kills ooh, you. Yeah. So you know, yeah. it's, it's simple. It's simple common sense. Um, yeah. Maybe another good rule of thumb is. If everyone else that you know of is buying this thing, yeah. it's probably not the right time to buy oh.
2: it. okay. Well, I want to ask you why after headlines. So just uh, stay with us when. And if you want to join the conversation, 11 or WhatsApp us or send us a voice note, 72 702
1: 702
2: Masterclass. Right, the masterclass about the markets and investing, and just uh, giving us some some help understanding all of this is Wayne McCurry from Wealth and Investments at uh, FNB. And and Wayne, be, before the headlines, you were talking. Uh, we, I asked you about you know how do you know what what to invest in or or what to actually buy shares. in and one of the things you said was if everyone else is rushing out and buying those shares, then that's not a good idea. Why?
3: Because then you get. Almost that when emotions take over, when it's just such a good thing, and you can make so much money. You know, there's been a thousand get-rich-quick schemes around, and the overwhelming majority of them don't work. But talking about the market in particular, we can go back for hundreds of years. The tulip bubble, the South Sea spice bubble, mm. but just to become more relevant in 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 the recent times. You know, you had the dot-com bubble in the early 2000s yes. where anyone could list a company with dot-com in it and you would just get money. People would throw money at you because everyone was buying. Mm. That all ended in years. Then we had the big China years where if it was a commodity share or the – well, it actually happened to coincide the 2010. If it was a building and construction or a building supply company – People just threw money at you because this was so fantastic, and the housing market was doing so well, and we're yeah. getting 2010, and all the stadiums are being built. That's all ended in, ended in tears. Now we've got the um, all of the all of the the, the 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 coins now, Bitcoin and all the rest of them. You know that also looks like that's ending in tears. So when 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 you go to a place and everyone's buying, when you go mm-hmm. to the hairdresser and everyone's buying something. Or you go to a school sports event and everyone's buying it. That means you're probably at the end or very near to the end of that particular thing going up in price. Because if everyone's buying, yeah. you know, one day there's going to be no more buyers left. Yeah, and, and then they're only sellers, but then the price collapses. And doesn't so, so it, it and isn't worth much. Exactly, yeah. exactly, you're exactly exactly on the other way. Exactly the same emotion, but just now negative. Mm. You know, if you take and we can go back to ex President Zuma years when he fired the finance minister Mm. Nene Mm. on you know the end of 2015. So I think it was December 2015, and appointed Desmond for four days. Oh yes, the rand (laughs) absolutely collapsed. The rand collapsed around your ears, and everyone just said, "I'm taking my money overseas." this country's finished, the RAND's finished, I'm just taking mm, money mm. overseas while I'm buying international assets. The RAND got to 17. You know, the next stop three years later against the dollar was below 12.
1: Mm.
3: So if you ran over, overseas with all of your money that, that day that uh, Minister Nene was fired, you made the wrong decision because it was emotion. Yes. And very similar to when, when we were hit by, by COVID. When the RAND we come from 14 against the dollar to nineteen, and everyone said that's it. Yeah. I'm taking my money overseas. You know, the next stock was thirteen fifty a year later. Mm. So that's when, when everyone's buying or everyone's selling. You must just sit back and say, Okay, what's the reality?
1: Yeah.
3: And if if the reason for it is everyone's making money and I'm losing out, or I must get out of here because everyone else is panicking. I must just sell the rent. I must just sell, sell, sell because everyone else is selling and everyone else is panicking. You must just apply common sense. Okay. Is it logic? And- Nothing can go up four hundred percent each year, every year. Nothing yeah. can. Okay. Nothing can also fall fifty percent each year, every year. All so right. just common sense in logic and Try and get the emotion out. out of it and
2: wait 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 a couple of hours wait a couple of days i suppose before you actually jump on yep, the bandwagon yep. so when we have a couple of callers but i've got a message from farai uh, from okay. a little earlier who likes the way that you break down and simplify economics so um you know a, a pat on the back for you it says uh, farai believes for one okay. to be a good investor one must have a long-term view and invest long-term that is not for immediate returns a decent <laughs> but, group of local yeah. and international trade and politics and its economic implications on a certain company industry or country also helps, and Farai would like to know if you agree.
3: Yes, I definitely okay. agree with all that. The but just for one, yeah, all of the above very, very astute comments, actually. All right. Just the one story about long term. Everyone's a long term investor until prices start to fall. Oh. Then people become very short term. Who Yeah. You you know, so when they buy yeah. something, they say, I'm buying it for <laughs> 10 years, I'm buying it for the long term. But right. if tomorrow you start losing money on that, you start to panic. Emotions take over.
2: Yes, yes, emotions. You know, okay. I must so. get
3: out. I'm losing money, I must get out. So just if you are long term, you've got to have a bit of fortitude. You've got to have yeah, some resilience. You, you've there. got to have some resilience yeah. and you're going to have a few sleepless nights there possibly. Yeah. But you know, you must remember it is actually for the long term.
1: Okay.
2: All right. So we've got David in Centurion who's been holding on for us for quite a while. Hi there, David. Hi, David, can you hear me?
0: Yes yes I can hear you. Hi great. Um, yeah I think my question is for Wayne because yes. I've for, for the longest of times I've always been puzzled with regards to the US dollar phenomenon because you know you spend years you know with people prophesying that the American economy is going to go down the drain what with all the printing of the dollar to catch up you know unexpected infrastructure spending or building of walls or COVID, whatever it is. So with so much money in circulation with regards to the American dollar, why is it that they are not being hobbled by the inflation, you know, that is supposed to result? And why is it that the dollar constantly is a stronger currency? Because I do feel like, you know, it is not keeping up with the basic economic you know conditions, and the the, the the next thing is how do we? For example, we can speak you know until the, the cows come home. The cows come home regarding investing and having a long term view. Mm-hmm. But then things like Stein Steinhof, you know, they come and they literally just cripple yeah. you know people and they lose everything. So what is it if we've got such an efficient market? Why is it that the market does not pick up? For those mm-hmm. things, because yeah. at the end of the day, they, they could, it, 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 it's, a, it's a big problem that sort of discourages people from literally putting their life savings in shares yeah. of these companies.
2: Mm, very interesting questions here. Thanks, David. So, Wayne, yeah, do you want to respond firstly to the U.S. dollar phenomenon question?
3: Yeah, look, the US, the U.S. dollar has been king since the end of the Second World War. You know, one day, one day in the not too distant future, the Chinese economy will be bigger than the U.S. economy. You know, since the Second World War, the US economy has just been by far the most resilient, by far the most powerful, and then by definition, the dollar is the world's currency. It is the what's called a reserve currency. It's essentially taken over from gold. Every foreign trade you do, whether you buy or sell, it's denominated in dollars. Every other currency is actually set. The the, the rate is set against the dollar. So simplistically, dollar is king and has been for 80 years. Okay. Hmm. Now, to come to his actual question, the U.S. can abuse it. It's so big they can abuse it. They can print money. You know, in the global financial crisis to rescue the banking system and the economy and the consumers and the companies, you know, they they literally printed trillions of dollars. I mean, no one knows the true amount, but it's probably twenty, thirty trillion dollars. I mean, that is. The U.S. economy is about $17, $18 trillion a year. That's the size of the economy. So they just printed two years of money, mm. and they've literally printed it out of fresh air to, to rescue the economy and the rest of the world, by the way, but let's not go into that. <laughs> In other words, the dollar is so powerful, you can do it, but you can't do it forever. So I actually think that the dominance of the dollar is coming to an end and will come to an end, but that will also take 20 or 30 years. Mm. I mean, the pound used to be, the you know, before the dollar came along, um, the pound was an incredibly powerful currency, but it eventually, over decades, lost its power to the dollar, and this sort of was hit in the head by the Second World War, essentially. Yeah. So all of these things are extremely long-term uh, mm. factors. So for, for our lifetimes, certainly in my lifetime, I don't have to worry about anything (laughs) else other than the dollar being kept.
2: For now. But Uh, uh,
3: all all of these things go in cycles. And then to come to the Steinhoff story, there's been many Steinhoffs in the past and there'll be many in the future. You cannot predict these things. And to come back to the point I made earlier, only one thing saves you, and that's not to put all your eggs in one basket. Because if you had Steinhoff and it was 90% of your investments... You got killed. But if you had Steinhoff and it was 4% of your investments, you, you, you don't get, you don't get slaughtered. You, you can survive. Take the hit. That's why yeah. you cannot predict these things. I mean, as, as we spoke about earlier on, you're trying to predict the future. I mean, a few people got off right, but many, many people got off wrong. Mm. It will be exactly the same into mm. the future again. You don't know what's going to happen. Yeah. So the only thing that can save you from a Steinhoff and many, many others, is diversify your portfolio. Own oh. lots and lots of things.
2: Which also makes me wonder, Wayne, uh, about companies or pro- uh, listing. Is it necessarily the case? I mean, we always think that if something is listed, it's a safe place to invest. Is that necessarily the case? Is it's, that a common misconception? No,
3: it's, it's safer. Oh. It's not safe. Okay. It just is safer because there are regulations, there, there is scrutiny, there are people who look at it you in the public, you in you in the public space, so it it is safer. But nothing nothing is safe mm. in investments. Mm. The only thing you know once again for the, uh, umpteenth time, I don't know how many times we've spoken about this. There's only one thing that's truly safe in investments, and that's to diversify. diversify. Don't have all your eggs in the okay. only thing that gives you some degree of safety in the market. Okay, that's our that mantra one for thing today. Goes,
2: that's our answer yeah. from this masterclass. If something
3: goes wrong, you have protected. yeah. All right, so Nitem... That, that, is, that is the biggest lesson you can learn in investments.
2: All right, we've got Nitem and Joburg. Is it Nitem? Yes, I think, I hope I'm getting that right, Nitem. Correct. Yes, you have a question for Wayne?
0: Yes, I do. Um, I have two questions, actually. Okay. Uh, he's opinion about uh, forex trading and leveraged products okay. in general. Um, does he think it's a good idea in terms of um,
2: in, if you can the, if your your line isn't great your line isn't great we'll maybe just see if we can get you back on uh, we, we're battling to hear you here let's go to Robert in Randberg hi there Robert
0: hi guys how
2: are you doing ah, good thanks thanks for holding Robert your question for Wayne yeah,
3: great man.
0: yes I mean I want you to tell something simple okay alright if you're a novice
3: and you don't understand shares and you know pe and potential
0: earnings, all that stuff invest simply in an etf so something like actually 500 that gives you a great uh, diversity of shares or for african uh, uh, the top 40 okay right mm. so just top 40. isn't that a better a better um advice if you are planning this first as a novice in this country doesn't
3: that give you better diversification
2: Okay, Uh, Wayne, did you get that?
3: Yes, I got that, John. Robert's entirely correct. You can buy an index and exchange traded fund. Just don't buy one. Just don't buy the S and P five hundred. Buy the S and P. Buy the euro. Buy the South African one. In other words, also diversify that exposure. But yes, there's there's absolutely nothing at all wrong with buying an index fund or an ETF. It gives you great diversification. So Robert made a very very good point there. There's only one negative about an ETF and an index fund, is that we all human and when something goes wrong, you want to phone someone and talk to them and that's where the financial advisor comes in. You, you unfortunately can't phone an ETF and talk to, a, talk to an index fund. But yes, there's nothing wrong with that. And just to come to, back to the Thames 1 question, foreign exchange trading and leverage products. You know, it's hard enough to get the equity market right it's even more difficult to get the currency market right and what a leverage play is is that you invest 100 rand you borrow 400 rand so you've got a hundred rand you borrow 400 rand and you invest 500 It's mm. wonderful if that 500 goes to a thousand but if that 500 goes to 300 you lose your 100 and still owe the bank or whoever you borrow the money from mm. another 200 mm. so leverage products it's, it, it, it can truly come back and bite you because for every rand you investing, you're getting, in that example, you're getting five rand exposure to whatever you're buying and that price can go up and down. So once again, be careful. You know, make sure you, if you do make the wrong, if your decision turns out to be wrong, that you can afford it. But I've always been extremely scared Mm. About borrowing money to invest.
2: All right, right. And Nitem had a had a part like a two. Nitem had a part two. Sorry, Wayne, to his yeah. question. Uh, let's see, so we've got him back on the line. Nitem, hi there. Hi, Nitem. For that hi. I, hi. Okay. Can yeah. So uh, Wayne did hear, answer your first part. You said you had two questions. Can you quickly give us a yeah. second
0: one? Oh, all right. Okay. Um, the second one is a straightforward one, uh, and I, I want a yes and no from him, okay. if if possible. Yeah. Are we heading for another great depression, uh, such as a major worldwide recession, and will central banks then introduce some cryptocurrencies brought about by them? Thank Ooh. you very
2: much. Okay, Wayne. I'm not sure if that's a yes or no answer for you, but if we can,
3: <laughs> well, the answer is no. We're not heading for another great great recession. Because there's not enough debt in the world, now, I know people will argue with me about this, but I don't think there's enough debt in the world. Because the recessions caused by a debt crisis, where people just default on all of their loans, I don't think the extent of corporate debt, company debt, and personal debt is that great. That the higher interest rates we in now with the higher inflation is going to cause a great recession. And then will central banks introduce cryptocurrencies at some stage? Yes, they probably will. I think it is inevitable that that happens. But not as we know that. They're going to be fixed. In other words, the price will be fixed like... Well, it won't be fixed, but it won't have as much... It won't go from 10,000 to 60,000 back to 19,000 like Bitcoin and a Mm. lot of the other ones have done. Mm. It could be a lot more stable but it'll just become a true cryptocurrency and the emphasis on the word currency. So I think to call what we've got now currencies is incorrect. They're far too volatile. They mm. go up and down okay. too much to be actually called a currency. So that is coming, okay. but it'll be very different to the what, what we know now. I All right.
2: think. Okay, Wayne, we've got just about a minute at hand to get to Stephen's question. Hi, Stephen in Pretoria. You have a question for Wayne? Hi, Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Can you hear me? All right. A problem with Stephen's line there. But um, I believe when he wanted to ask about building your portfolio, Stephen wanted to know, how do you build your portfolio?
3: Well, look, Have I mean, these are all very rough rule of thumb and it doesn't apply to everyone. And I don't know anything about Stephen's personal finance. But you should probably have between 15 and 20 investments in your portfolio, whether they're shares or whether they're property or whether they, you know, just diversify that. And then look for, in respect of shares, look for companies that have been around for a very, very long time and have gone through good times and bad times and get an exposure into banks, get an exposure into commodity shares, get an exposure into retail shares. Get an exposure into tech shares. In other words, diversify your portfolio. And I know it sounds very simplistic, but when you're starting, big shares are good.
2: Big shares you know, are
3: these good. Large, okay. big, these, these large, big companies are good. They, they're big for a very good reason. Okay. Because Generally speaking, they've survived and they've done well over the years.
2: All right. Wayne McCurry, thank you so much. You've certainly simplified it for me. Maybe I'll take my chances next year and, and, and try a couple of things. I didn't get any calls from any women who had questions, but uh, it's interesting to, to note that, uh, yes, the men have all the investor questions. But, hey, women are busy. You know, they're busy and uh, using their money for everything, all the other important things. But thanks very much, Wayne McCurry there from Wealth and Investments at First National Bank, helping us understand uh, the markets and understand investments. And don't forget the mantra that he, he told us. the One thing, don't put all your eggs in one one basket, diversify.